Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to the Patriot Nation Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Patriot Nation podcast, your boy Pat Lane. My voice is back, and thankfully it is, because we are joined by one of our favorite guests, a recurring guest on the show, and, you know, one of the nicest guys in Patriots media, and maybe even sports media in general, it's Phil Perry from NBC Sports Boston. Phil, thanks for coming on the show, man. Thank We love having you so much, and you got the little bookshelf behind you. It's like a little professional look over there. I like that. It's a professional look, and if you could see outside the bounds of this bookshelf, you would see maybe the most unprofessional space you've ever seen on a podcast. (laughs) So I appreciate you saying that. I'm happy to be with you guys. Yes, yes. Well, we're happy to have you. As always, guys, you know that this this episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the official wagering partner of CLNS Sports Media. Go to FanDuel.com slash Boston to sign up now uh, and get involved if you don't already have, which we should, obviously. Matt. Here we are, another weekend. We talked about the game on Sunday. Um, it was good, not great, but good. Some good things that to to take away from it. Um, right now, though, my biggest concern right now is that no one's healthy. Everyone's hurt. Everyone's hurt. I feel like Dumb and Dumber when you know when he's talking about our hip our pet our pets' heads are falling off. You know, like I just it's yeah. it's bad. Well, in the, the roller coaster of emotions this week as a Pats fan, too, because the game starts and it's Brady and you're hype. And then the first quarter happens and you're down. And they come back and you're hype. And then the comeback doesn't work and you're down. And then you see the Jets game on Monday night and you realize, you know, we don't know what's going on in the AFC East anymore. And you're back up because we got a shot in this thing. And then you see the Wednesday injury report and it's have Trent Brown and City So been having like a headbutt competition, like, somewhere on the sidelines because they played the whole game and now they're out with concussions and six offensive linemen are injured right now. I think (laughs) if that includes Riley reef, I I don't know what's going on right now. It's not good. It's not good. And it's uh, especially when you look at Trent Brown dealing with the concussion, you know, there's various stages that, that guys have to go through to get through the concussion protocol. Is it realistic for him to get through Um, at this point, I don't know because I I haven't been able as of yet to glean exactly where he is in the protocol, but Hmm. the fact that he did play the whole game and, you know, this is maybe some, some later onset sort of symptoms, um, that has landed him on the list here makes me feel like, I I don't know. I I just don't get a great feeling. It's, it's, it's feeling more and more rare with each passing year, guys. I don't know if you've noticed the same thing. And I don't know the numbers on this. It would be an interesting thing to sort of track, and maybe it's something I can pull up this week. When guys pop up on the injury report with a concussion, 
I don't know how many of them get through the protocol in time for Sunday. You know, so it's it's just and I've and somebody had said earlier it hasn't it didn't happen once last year or the last couple years in New England. Like you you never play the week you end up on the report, and it's it's one of those where you know if it happened if it's two guys here with concussions, if it happened during the game and it's not showing up until later, you know that's concerning for its own reasons. And if something had happened between the game and the injury report resulting in it, then you know, it's it's just happening later. And that means the recovery process is starting later. So either way, it's it doesn't feel good for Sunday. And then beyond that, I think is an open question. And and so how do you how do you respond is the question for me. And you could go full shuffle and you could put Calvin Anderson on the left side. He's got, you know, that's where the majority of his pro experience is in game is on the left side. And then you're looking for an answer at right tackle. And your answer would have been, City so because he played so much right tackle during training camp, I would think. And then you could just try to figure out right guard, but City So is obviously dealing with the concussion too. And so, you know, I think there's a good chance maybe they just try to keep Anderson at right tackle and maybe they try to stick somebody like Vidarian low at left and you just try to get by and you hope David Andrews can play. You hope Cole Strange and Micah Wenu can get going. So, you know, if you can get the interior right. I think there are some things you can do to sort of scheme around your tackles for a game. But again, it's going to be another game plan. I would think based on how the injury reports looking right now, where you are doing everything you can to make sure you get through another week with Mac Jones relatively healthy, because that that's really the worst case scenario is that you can't protect the guy and you lose him in week two. And I think we've all been really hoping here that the interior is fully healthy to go on Sunday. You know, on Wenu and Strange, David Andrews showing up on the report now too isn't great. If all of those guys can go, then you could, I think, give more options to deal with what's going on at tackle. But you know, there's a world here where essentially your entire starting line, except for Calvin Anderson, is not playing on Sunday, and you're down to Calvin Anderson plus guys who were lower than seventh or eighth overall on your depth chart coming into camp there's not a lot of teams that are going to do well in that spot and yet it's almost a must-win game against Miami at home and and, you know this division is winnable right now it looks wide open at the moment if you want to be in that race I think you've got to find a way to win this game thankfully it's a Dolphins defensive line that gave up a lot on the ground last week yeah, they couldn't stop the run. Uh, now, if if you're dealing with all backups on your offensive line, I'm not anticipating you, you being able to run the ball that well. <laughs> you know, they couldn't run it at all the other day against the Eagles, and they've got a great front. And again, the Patriots were dealing with all sorts of injuries there, but they could not run the football. And that eliminates all the play action stuff that we saw them work on all training camp. It just it it handcuffs you. And, you know, especially in a game like this one coming up where my expectation is in a perfect world, part of the game plan would be let's win the time of possession battle. Let's grind mm-hmm. this thing out. This is one of the most explosive, if not the most explosive offense in football. Let's keep it out of their hands. Let, let's stay on the field. Let's keep our offense on the field as long as humanly possible and try to get through that way. But if you can't run it, it you know, you can't be taking minus two, zero, minus okay. one every time you hand it off. And Ramondre Stevenson's great, but he can only do so much. So it, it's going to be a huge, huge challenge for for Bill O'Brien for the second week in a row, it looks like. Yeah. I mean, scheming things up is one thing, but like when you just physically can't push the point of attack and you can't open up holes, you know, it, it's just 
there's nothing you can do. You can scheme everything up that you want, but at the end of the day, sometimes you just got to win a one-on-one battle. Um, and that is, that is not, that's not what they did last week. And, you know, again, if you're sticking Vidarian low at right tackle and, you know, if he's not playing next to Mike, I want to like, this is the big, the big thing for me is that the Trent Brown and the city. So thing is stinks. Obviously that's not good. Right. Clearly. And if those guys both miss the game, they both miss the game. That's awful. But if on top of that, Cole Strange and Mike Onwenu both aren't ready to go, now it's a complete disaster. And don't forget now, Dave Andrews was on the list and had a sleeve on his left leg. So, like, if all of those – that's all five of your starting – that's your entire starting <laughs> offensive line except for Calvin Anderson. So Calvin Anderson going to be playing there by himself with, I don't even know, Jake Andrews and James Ferentz and, like – uh, I don't even, I, I don't even know you calling up Andrew Stuber from the practice squad. Like it just, you know, you're in big trouble if those guys can't go. So it's one of those things that for me, you can get by if it's one guy, if it's right. Trent Brown, that's out and you're getting Andrews is healthy and you're getting your two guards back. You can figure that out. But if you're missing one or two of those guards and you don't have City So and you don't have Trent Brown, you're in big trouble. You want to go best case scenario, worst case scenario on the line? I think I've got them both in my head right now. Yes, let's do it. All right. Worst case scenario. Let's start with the bad. Worst case scenario is Trent Brown can't play. And instead of flipping Calvin Anderson to the left, you keep him on the right because that's where he's been practicing lately. So you go Vidarian low at left tackle. You go Antonio Mafia at left guard. Because Cole Strange isn't ready and Mafia is not on the injury report right now. Yep. You would go maybe James Ferentz as your practice squad call up at center. Ugh. Then you would Ugh. go at right guard, um, Jake Andrews. Jake, yeah. Jake Andrews at right guard. And then at right tackle, you'd go Calvin Anderson. So that's the worst case scenario, and that is bad. That is <laughs> that's really a situation bad. where I'm feeling more confident in the tackles than the guys on the inside. <laughs> Which isn't what you want when you have an offense that operates, yeah. um, you know, with a with a pocket passer. Well, and it's, it's all, and it's not what you want when the tackles are a question mark, a serious question mark. Right, right. And, and so, but here, okay, let's go. So that's worst case scenario. Bunch of guys who are who are new and or not ready, or stink, or that. Best <laughs> case scenario is. Whew, Calvin Anderson at Calvin Anderson at left tackle, maybe. No, let's. I think best case best case scenario is Trent Brown gets through protocol. All right, right. somehow, Trent yes. Brown. But I'm again, I'm not feeling that's likely. So let's say it's. I think best case scenario still might be Vidarian Low at left tackle. It's wild. A little strange well, at left. I, can I? Can I, I do have a question here. Why Low over Wheatley? Um, so my understanding is Wheatley is more of the project between the two. Lowe has at least played some in the NFL, and Wheatley's still relatively new to the position. I think people believe that Wheatley has a lot of upside, and maybe he shows them enough in practice that, hey, this guy's you know such a great athlete. Let's just get him out there because 
you know, if if you're picking between two guys who have who both have no idea what's going on out there, let's go with the better athlete. Like then maybe they would yeah. go with Wheatley in that scenario. Um, but let's stick with this best case scenario that still isn't very good. It would be it would be low at left tackle, strange at left guard. He gets healthy and he can play. David Andrews toughs it out. One of the toughest guys on the team. He says, "I'm the glue." You know, whatever we got to do, you know, don't don't have me uh, try to, you know, haul ass to the sideline on wide zone all that much, Bill O'Brien. This week, let's just let's let's take care yeah. of this injury. But I'm going to play. Michael Wenu at right guard and Calvin Anderson at right tackle, and then that's that's the scenario where really you're only dealing with one sub. It's at tackle. You can maybe help him with tight ends. You can chip with backs on that side, and you just try to get by for a week. That's the best right. case. I agree with you. I mean, that's that would be that really would be the best case scenario. And and look, you know, as as much credit as we give a Tony Moffy and uh City So, they gave up a ton of pressures. I mean, Jalen Carter led the NFL in pressures last week, yeah. right? So, like they gave up a ton of pressures. They weren't able to get anything going in the run game. And we, you know, we can you know, we'd say, hey, nice job. Because they were facing an impossible task, right? And they did, uh, you know, an okay job. But you have to think that you're going to get a better job out of Onwenu and Cole Strange. And so if you can get better performances out of your guards and Andrews can can play still and Calvin Anderson's going to continue to grow, I thought he looked okay on Sunday. He didn't look amazing, but he looked all right on Sunday. Um, you know, then you figure out at left tackle, like you said, right? And so the big question is, are those two guys going to be healthy? I thought that they were making a push to play on Sunday. They didn't. Um, so I wonder if they'll make another push to play this Sunday. And uh, and if they can, that's that's a big boost for your offensive line. Um, and, you know, and maybe you get a situation where, yeah, Trent Brown misses a week, but then you have your full starting offensive line week three, four out of the five guys have already played together for one week and then Trent Brown gets back into the mix. So um, I think that that, you know, even if Brown's out, I think that the two guard spots are, are so incredibly huge. I, I, I just had a, uh, an, an addendum to my best case scenario pop into my head. What if let's get really weird now, although this shouldn't be that weird. And, and maybe they're having conversations about this as we speak. Uh could you get around the the Vidarian low experience at left tackle? I know where you're going. Putting Calvin Anderson at left tackle, moving Michael Wenu to right tackle, and then using Antonio Mafia at right guard, where you know that's where he played in college. Um, interesting. He got some reps there in camp. You know, so I, that's another that's another permutation. But Let's but at that, that point, you're changing enough where. I wonder if Bill Belichick would say that's just you're just messing with whatever consistency we we might have had. We're messing with that, and maybe it's a little too much. Yeah. See, what I thought you were gonna say, Phil, was uh, Lyle Collins, who oh. is on the market now, off the board. I like that. Yeah, and that's one of those. I mean, obviously, they've brought in a lot of tackle bodies into this building, and I think bringing in another one. Like, I don't, I don't know if. You actually, how much of an improvement you're going to see? But if he's ready to go and he can play, if he can play this week, I think he's better than whoever tackle like your next tackle up is right now. Uh, I don't know if you have enough time to get him up to speed. And I mean, it's Wednesday. They Two talk practices to him. would be tough. I, I that's the one yeah. thing. Two practices, yeah. 
maybe no padded practices. You could get them in the you could get them in the meeting rooms twenty four hours a day. It still might be hard for them to trust him on the edge. Like, yeah. Well, not, not only that, he was wasn't he released from injured reserve? I think he was released off of PUP. Off the pup list. So it means he hasn't practiced yet. Yeah. Right? He He has yet to practice. So, And I'm not sure if he's, you know, the ins and outs of being released off PUP. I wonder if he has even passed the physical yet. Like, did they – he was on PUP. If he he wasn't cleared to play and they still released him, he would, I would think, have to come here and prove that he's – well enough to play and i don't i don't know if that's the case i don't and i don't I mean, even if he is and you're probably not getting that paperwork done but before friday and yeah. you're not putting a guy into a game um on one walkthrough unless yeah he has if he hasn't avoid. practiced i mean if he was on pup that means he you know he's he's yeah, missed his, his entire summer exactly how much be. time he missed but was it the yeah. whole summer did he practice in camp at all well you can't you if you're in the pup list you have to start on the oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you're right. So he yeah. would he'd so be he playing his first NFL game in the season with like a walkthrough in New England. Right. I, yeah, that's not highly high, highly highly doubt that. I mean, yep. even if he's a good player, you're probably getting something better out of Low or Wheatley just because they've been in the building and have an idea of what's right. going on. Yeah, you might get more out of Pharaoh Brown at tackle than, than <laughs> you would at you know, <laughs> yeah. And the flip practiced. And if they're playing Collins over one of those guys, it's a pretty big indictment of of what they've been getting from those <laughs> tackles say, in practice. Yeah. yeah, this has been a lot of offensive line talk. It I know that we're doing it, I, but I can't. I don't know. I, I don't know. You know, are your listeners still with us? That's why. Hey, listen. Oh, I think yeah. they we are, which it. is kind of crazy. Our listeners are very hardcore. We love them. Uh, they're, they're just in the chat having their own conversation right now, which is great. Yeah. Um, so, but we, so let's go ahead. Yeah, I, there's another injury situation here. If we want to segue, because the yes, other guy I was it. looking for is Devonte Parker. While we're talking offense, him and Juju Smith Schuster, not being on there. I think what the receiver situation is going to look like on Sunday is, um, I feel better about it. I like the guys who, who are probably going to be out there better than what we're looking at on the line right now, but also, Still some question marks there. Do you have any – can you shed any light on what's going on? Yeah, well, listen, I think Devontae Parker not being available on Sunday against the Eagles might have cost the Patriots the game. And I don't yeah. really think that's overstating it because he would have been the guy, I think, he would have been the guy who's getting that target along the sideline on fourth down late in the game. And it's not Kayshawn Booty, you know, or even if Parker's – out there and in a different spot it sort of bumps everybody down a spot on the depth chart and maybe it's Kendrick Bourne on the sideline and maybe he hauls that in you know so or maybe the other the other uh, play where he couldn't get both feet down or maybe the target uh deep down the field into the end zone that was a complete jump ball but that's sort of Devontae Parker's thing you know if he's on the other end of that is you know does that play go differently so he's important as, as you know as much criticism as he gets and it's it's well deserved because he just can't be depended on to be consistently out on the field he's an important player in this offense and so um he looked okay to me honestly he looked a little better based on what i saw from him in practice today but what we see is so so brief at this point in the year that it's hard to say you know God, this guy looks 100% better than he did last week. I will say last week when we watched him, even in the brief periods of practice that were out there, he really wasn't even stretching. Like he he wasn't even going through the warm-up 
appropriately. So he was out there, and I guess they can call him a limited participant, but it looked like he was doing anything. One of the practices, he didn't even you know have his gloves on when they when they went through the first uh, couple periods of sort of individual position work. So, and he didn't do anything. So, you know, I, I think he's progressing. Is he going to be ready enough to play? I don't know. Uh, and so that's that's question number one. Question number two to me, guys, is, and, and I'm curious to hear how you guys viewed this situation, but for Jacoby Myers, or excuse me, <laughs> Jacoby Myers, I was somebody who thought that Jacoby Myers should be the one who is in this guy's place mm-hmm. <laughs> on the roster right now. But for Juju Smith-Schuster to not be playing at the end of the game, against the Eagles the other day, to me is a little alarming, or it should be if you're the Patriots, because he's either, him not being out there means he's either not healthy enough to go, which I don't think is the case. He's not in the injury report today. Or he just can't play on the outside because Kayshawn Booty's clearly better than him out there, which again would be a little alarming for the sixth round rookie who had a pretty good camp, but wasn't, you know, he wasn't even Pop Douglas. Like he, he wasn't even to that level impressive. And Juju, while primarily a slot receiver over the breadth of his career, played on the outside uh, quite a bit in Kansas City last year. And the team was expecting him to be able to do some of that stuff here in New England. So I, I have a hard time believing it's a it's a package thing and it's just a position thing. Even if it was, put Kendrick Bourne. <laughs> on the outside at the X spot and then put Juju in whatever role Kendrick Bourne was in, whether it was the Z or the slot. Like how did you guys feel about the fact that he wasn't on the field late in that game? Juju Smith Schuster. Yeah. I mean, I've look, you paid this guy to come in. Right. And basically replace Jacoby Myers. Have we seen Jacoby Myers basically since he got here, not be on the field in a critical situation. You know, he was the guy that Brady and then Cam and then Mac were, were throwing to in those gotta-have-it, go-to situations. He was not only on the field for it, but more often than not, he was the target for that throw. And so, you know, to not see Juju out there obviously is alarming, right? And you And you wonder kind of what's going on. And then you ask the question, too, like, all right, Kayshawn Booty doesn't make that play because it's his first game in the NFL and we get it and so on and so on and so on. Well, if it's his first game in the NFL, you got Juju on the sideline. Why isn't Juju or Kendrick Bourne trying to make that catch? And I know Bourne had that third and 12 drop, which Phil, the the all-22 angle, right, the end zone angle of that throw by Mac Jones on third and 12 that Bourne dropped coming across the middle is incredible. And and that might have been – might be the best throw he's ever made in his career. Um, and with the game on the line and to, you know, to come up short twice. And that's why, you know, you've heard all the hate for Mac, you know, the past week. And it's like, not fair, I don't think, because his receivers let him down at the end of the day. And not only is that, not only, uh, that's obviously a good example of it, but then you wonder why isn't Juju on the field? And we asked the, 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 the frustrating part. We asked this same question all year last year about Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne wasn't on the field. We didn't know why Kendrick Bourne wasn't on the field. And now he comes in again, and all of a sudden he's good, right? And so, and of course, wasn't perfect, had the drop. I think he could have made a better play on the ball on the on the pick six, but, you know, whatever. That's, that's nitpicking in my opinion. But still, he didn't have a perfect game. But you look at it and say, well, why isn't Juju in that situation, right? And we just went through this last year with Kendrick Bourne. And so it's frustrating, 
and certainly worrisome. And, and I would just add that, you know, looking ahead, I know we're, we want to look ahead to week two here. You're going to need to score points. <laughs> Your best, yeah. most talented people are, are going to need to be on the field. And I think if we see it again, where Juju Smith-Schuster, say he gets through the week, he's not in the injury report. And we get to Sunday night football and it's a critical critical juncture. You're in the two minute period and he's not part of your two minute package. You're you're basically just telling the world he's not good enough. Yeah. And that after the deal that you gave him, and keeping in mind the guy you let go and the guy you're essentially replacing with Juju Smith Schuster, that's a that's a tough pill to swallow early in the season here. And listen, if if Bill Belichick's willing to admit a mistake like that and say, no, actually the six round rookie's better, and I know he hasn't done anything in the league, and I know he just went over four on targets in week one, but sorry, I'm I'm at practice every day and he's better. Kudos to Bill Belichick on that front, the coach Bill Belichick. But like, man, how do you miss that badly yeah. with the guy who's the highest paid receiver on your team? Right. Well, and, and Juju has been incredibly productive historically so it would be it would be weird for him to not even be somewhat productive in new england i think and it's like the the optimistic take here is that it's a mix of them really liking the rookies and they probably don't feel like there's that big of a drop off from juju to the rookies so they'd rather cycle through the guys and make sure everybody is you know rested and you know at their best when they're out there and it just happened to be juju's turn off at the end there i think that's the optimistic take but you know that only has so much leeway if the rookies don't actually produce out there and they looked fine um you know if we're playing by college rules Kayshawn booty would have had a fantastic day (laughs) on on sunday you know if he can figure that out by this sunday night i think we'll be in a better spot um i don't know i think you know there's there's only a certain amount of leeway with this and let's give it time too right Let's yeah. give it time. It's it's been one week, and you know maybe he becomes Juju Smith Schuster by by week four is looking like he's as dependable as Jacoby Myers has ever been. But you know I think given what we saw from him at camp, which was a guy who was out there on the field, and I, I made sure to note this every day we talked about him on TV, he was out there for every practice and you know during training camp, and he deserves credit for that, especially when there are other guys who just can't post even for practice, and especially after he missed all of the spring. You know we we're looking at going into training camp and looking at Juju Smith-Schuster, we hadn't seen him. Man, is this guy's knee going to be a problem right from the jump? And he was there for every practice. So he gets credit for that. And maybe things click for him a little differently, or maybe they were managing him in some way. Maybe they, maybe got to a certain number of snaps and they said, we just, let's get booty out there. You know, we don't want to push it with Juju. He's, he's on turf. Now that's another thing to keep in mind this conversation with Aaron Rodgers is sort of, you know, made it, uh, you know, put a little, I don't know, be in my bonnet when it comes to, you know, a turf versus grass, grass versus turf. What matters when it comes to players and dealing with injury? Juju's played at least his home games on grass his whole career. You know, Pittsburgh and Kansas City, grass guy. Yeah. I would knee problems. And practice. Practice and, is grass New England too. <laughs> and, and and so it's just one game, but, you know, is, is the turf factor a factor for him? Again, a guy who's who's – Got some pretty well publicized knee issues, so it just will be interesting to see how how well and how much he plays moving forward. That's a good point. It's a good point. By the way, there are just people in the chat talking about how that last pass to Booty was not a good pass, and you know couldn't have been caught or whatever the case may be. And I, I understand he's getting pushed in the back. That's the only place Matt could have put the ball. 
I, I mean, I guess maybe it could have been a, a, a half a second earlier than it was, but I, it just, there's nowhere else he can put that. He just, he has to put it there. The guy's right on him. He has to give it to him on the sideline and the guy's, guys got to make a play. I mean, at the end of the day, he's got to make a play and he didn't. Right. And so we can make excuses for him and we can talk about it wasn't a great throw by Mac and we can talk. The ball got there. He caught it. He got one foot down, should have dragged the other foot. And he didn't. Right. And I, I get he's getting pushed in the back. I understand that. I, I get it. But these guys get pushed in the back. This is what happens on a daily basis. Like just because he wasn't wide open and there was a guy covering him doesn't mean he can't catch it all of a sudden. It's, you know, it's fourth down. Game's over. Like that's it. This is it. Yeah. It's the last play of the game. Like make the damn catch. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like it's just that's that's the way for me, at least I look at it and just say, like, you know. I don't know. Maybe maybe it could have been there a half second earlier. Maybe it maybe it should have been in a different spot. I can't imagine. I thought it looked like a great throw to me. And yeah. a guy that it's a tough catch, but you gotta make it. That to well, me the game, about- the game to me, Matt, is just you know, between that play, the other booty play along the sideline, the mm-hmm. third and twelve. Again, that's a very that's a difficult catch. If Kendrick Bourne had made that catch, it would have been a great catch on his part, and we all would have said the touchdowns were nice. That third and twelve with the game on the line. Unbelievable right. throw, tremendous catch. But the best of the best make those plays. And so th- that game to me was a game where you look at the talent around Mac Jones, which we've all been talking about since he's been here, essentially. And you yeah. say, does he right. have enough? Does he have enough? I don't know. Yeah. The other that Juju had a drop in the first half too on a third down where he was wide open. And the, the pass got a little bit short armed and, you know, he had to catch it down at the waist. But, you know, you got to make that play. Um, and I wonder, I would also wonder if that played into it at all. You know, we had a bunch of guys who had drops at some point. I wonder if they said, Hey, you know, we, we saw you had a drop and, you know, booty didn't get the, the foot in earlier, but he did catch the ball mm-hmm. and give it a shot. So we're going to, we're going to go with that guy right now. And the other thing too, is if they see Juju as a slot only option and Demario Douglas has been as good as everybody's been saying he is, then you know, there might not be that much difference between those guys. And that might be a DeMario Douglas thing more than anything else here. And and I just wonder, too, if there's stuff, you know, we're not seeing everything, right? We're, we're not getting the full picture on Juju and, and and what the Patriots are getting, what Bill Belichick is getting, what Bill O'Brien, Mac Jones are getting, which mm-hmm. is how's he looking practice? Is he is he lining up correctly? Is he doing all the right things? Are there certain routes that he just can't run or he doesn't get them? Or, that you know, there's certain leverages and certain calls that give him a hard time and you know maybe there's a there's a trust element here too and they're still waiting for that to come around i mean they you know i i I hesitate to bring this name up because again it's very early and i'm not saying this is what's going to happen with juju smith schuster but they have signed uh a big name receiver who's probably closer to the end than the beginning certainly closer to the end than the beginning in the past and it didn't work at all and they got away from him chad ochocinco you know, oh, and it, again, I, that's, I don't is, think that's going to happen with Juju Smith-Schuster. I, I really don't. But, yeah. you know, this offense is tough to pick up. And if they don't trust you, especially if Bill O'Brien looks at it and says, I, I, I don't know what this guy's going to do out here. If that's the case, and again, I don't know, um, then I could see that impacting his playing time. I will say this, the, the fourth and three, I know Felgram has talked about this a little bit. Um, and I wanted to make sure I asked somebody on the coaching staff on the record about it. They were talking about that fourth and three, Juju Smith-Schuster maybe ran the wrong route. And it looked like an option route potentially from the slot. 
and he ran right into the corner's leverage. Mac Jones is looking that way early in the snap. He gets pressured. He can't get rid of it because Juju runs right into the coverage and he's got nowhere to go with the ball and he starts to scramble around and he has to throw it incomplete. I asked Ross Douglas if that was the case. Did he run the right route on fourth and three? It's a critical play. He said he did. He, re- he did the right thing, but he said he could have done it much better. And the read I have on that after asking a few people who are familiar with this offense and familiar with how the Patriots want certain types of routes run, the get off, the release of the route was, I don't want to call it slow. I just don't think he sold. If you watch it back, he starts to go, he starts to break in. His release takes him, it's an inside release. I don't think he sold it in the way that they would have liked because the corner really didn't bite on it at all. And then, so when he breaks out, he is running right into the corner. So the route was a locked route. It was an, it was an out route, but the way he was supposed to get into it. He didn't shake the guy. He should have got, he should have done it a little differently. So I don't know. Is that enough to get you benched at the end of the game? I I don't know. I really don't. Yeah, that could totally be it though. That's, and that's consistent with things we've seen from the Patriots before. I mean, you, you go through their tape in general and you'll see plenty of times where a guy does something wrong and you just don't see him for the rest of the game. That's a common occurrence. So I don't think that would be too shocking here again, especially if they are, have been impressed by DeMario Douglas. They don't think it's that big of a drop off anyway. Yeah. By the way, this is live in case anyone's, I know someone's in the the comments asking, we are live. live, We are live in here. And by the way, there's people still talking about booty. It's it's not. Don't blame. It doesn't matter. I don't want to have yeah, the conversation. It, it's, <laughs> it's not booty's fault. No one's blaming Keishon Booty for losing the game. Yeah, no. Can I um, can, can yes, I address what Phil said earlier before we change topics here and go deep into yes. that? You mentioned the grass fields. Um, just some context on that too. In New England, they're going to have a grass field for soccer in 2026, which I think the announcement of that lit something under the players in general. I know a lot of the stadiums are going to have grass for that and grass up to the world cup standards which is i think higher quality than you see at any nfl nfl field now uh the way they talk about it Uh, and i think there's a lot of players who after that said wow they can do it for that but not for us um and then also as a as a nostalgic fan here i just miss the days where it's like you got the grass stains all over the jerseys at the end of the game or like you know you can you can tell what season it is because you turn on the game and oh you know it's a december game in lambo and the field's just brown or you yeah. watch you watch the old the old Pats Colts AFC Championship game where it's like a dingy field, and I I, I miss that. So I like the players yep. prefer it; they should do it. But aesthetically, I like it more too. Well, and it's and it's I would argue it's a smart investment because if you start mm-hmm. losing guys because of the turf, you know, then it, it impacts your season, it impacts your bottom line, it impacts fan interest. Like you, you should, be, I'm I'm with yeah. you, like. They should yeah, be doing or- everything humanly possible to keep these guys as comfortable and as healthy as possible. And the numbers would suggest that guys tend to stay healthier when playing on grass. Well, and there's from an economic perspective here, there's the fact that every single team can pay the same amount of uh, money for players. So you can't really get an automatic advantage there unless you're just better at using the money. Other expenditures, though, aren't capped. If you want to spend right. more on nutrition, you can do it. If you want to spend more on facilities, you can do it. If you want to spend more on a training staff, you can do it. If you want to spend more on your field and make sure it's better, you can do that. And I think um, that's one of the areas where, you know, smart. Like some, some of the teams we talk about as perennial contenders, a lot of that's because they also just spend money on some of the, the external things that you need to spend money on. And if you care a lot about 
winning and you put money into some of the other things that aren't capped, you're just going to have better teams year in and year out. Well, and right. And the other part of it for me, look, it comes down to it's it's very, very simple. It's very simple. Comes down to money. The owners look at it, look at their field as an asset. It is not simply a football field. It is a place where they can host concerts and other mm -hmm. things as well. Having a turf field allows them to do all of those things. Taylor Swift can come in for a full weekend to do three shows, and then we can have Monster Jam in there, and then we can have this, and we can have that, and then we can have this, and you can clear everything out, and the turf field's just fine. Whereas if Taylor Swift comes in for a weekend or the Patriots can go away, you know, to the Jets in two weeks, right? And then they can – I don't even know if there's a concert that weekend, but they can bring a concert in on Saturday night, and they can have a concert, and the field is completely fine for the game – on you know on the following sunday even if it rains and pours during the concert right and that's what they're concerned about that's what all these owners are concerned about they don't care about the player safety they, it doesn't matter to them right and so roger goodell comes out and says we got to see what the science and the numbers says first of all the last time we trust the nfl with the science they said that the ideal gas law didn't exist then they did the research to prove the ideal gas law didn't exist and they didn't show us the findings of, of that research just be, just because they were never planning on doing it. So if anyone is going to take them at their word, they're going to do exactly what they want to do, and they will make the numbers say what, what they want to say. Uh, the, the other reason, too, that in, like in New England specifically, the reason that they ended up with a turf field was because that 05 or 06, one of those seasons, they had a real bad rainstorm, and the field yeah. was not salvageable in a short time span, and they had to go turf, and it just never went back. And like that's kind of the that practically that is the one issue. It's harder to maintain grass, but you know it's not my money, so I say they should spend it on that. It is, it is, and and there are ways to do it where you could still have the concerts. You know that like yeah. the Cardinals wield the grass in and out, and talk about a team that's not in other ways doing everything that it can to to make sure their players are taken care of, or at least haven't historically. They they failed miserably in that NFLPA survey. And the, one of the highlights was the fact that they, they asked their players to pay for dinner if they're staying at the facility for dinner, wow. but yeah. they have turf that wheels in and out. And listen, Kyler Murray still tore his ACL on it last year. So it's, it's not perfect and nothing ever will be perfect, but it feels like it makes a huge different, huge difference for these guys, especially just given you know, how, even how sore they might be from one week to the next after playing a game on turf. It might not result in a cataclysmic injury, but, you know, over time, those reps on turf, I think, can add up for guys. 100%. Yeah, even if I think even if it's injuries weren't a concern, I think if the players like it better, that alone morale wise and when it comes to getting free agents and stuff like that is probably a better investment um, as long as it's not something insane. And not every stadium can do it, um, but for the ones that can. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's they got it in Lambo, you know, like Lambo. I don't think it's as much rain as we do here. So the precipitation yeah. factor might be a little bit different, but they do do it in I'm, Lambo, which is interesting. I'm talking about some yeah. of the domes, some of the, like they had to build that Arizona stadium with the sliding tray. And I don't know if you yeah. can retrofit that and like so far, I don't think you could that stadium. I'm pretty sure it's below the ground. Um, I don't think there's anything you can do unless you're getting grass pallets. And I think that's, that's worse than turf or grass that's what they had in houston and that's what wes welker tore his acl on yeah well, i think though i think there are ways of doing that too i i think i think some of the um european soccer clubs use the you, you know there, use the uh the tile almost uh, the grass tile yeah, 
they have they have something now that they're coming out with that looks like the the old palettes, but a much better, fancier system that's not yeah, going to sure have fits the holes together. in between the lines. Right? Yeah. Can, yeah. Get stuck. It's not like old Veteran Stadium in Philadelphia. Guys are like Yo, stepping God. into cracks and yeah. like hitting cement. So all right, so we gotta we gotta go for a uh, for a quick break from our from our sponsors, a quick ad from our sponsors. Before TJ had asked a question about the hurricane, the hurricane looks like it's gonna hit Friday night into Saturday. So the game on Sunday, most likely, unless is a is a massive change, will not be affected. Um, it was obviously a concern earlier in the week. Looks like that's not gonna be the case. So um, so yeah, so that's so just just a quick note on that. Okay, um, but uh, here's a quick note from our uh, quick word from our sponsors, and then we'll be right back talking about the Patriots versus the Dolphins on, on Sunday night. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. Go visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. It is 21 and up in present Massachusetts. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at FanDuel.com sportsbook. Hope is here. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. NFL Sunday ticket offer ends 9-18-23. No refunds. Terms and embargoes apply. $100 off NFL Sunday ticket, not YouTube TV. YouTube TV base plan required to watch YouTube TV. Redemption requires a Google account and current form of payment. Commercial use excluded. Subscription renews. Cancel anytime. So let's, let's switch over. We've talked a bunch about the offense, and I think justifiably so we've talked about the offense because there's a lot of questions about the offense. I think just from a competition standpoint, the offense is more concerning than the defense is. However, the Dolphins were by far the most explosive offense in the NFL uh, last week, right, in week one. We know what they can do with Tyreek Hill. We know what they have in Jalen Waddell. They have an immense amount of speed, and Tua, I thought, looked very good. And so – the question now becomes, how are the Patriots going to slow down the Dolphins? They're not going to stop the Dolphins. They have historically done a pretty good job against Tyreek Hill for the most part. Not every game, but for the most part, have done a pretty good job against Tyreek Hill. But I, I just wonder, what do you think, Phil? What, what are they going to do to slow this team down? Uh, is, it a, is it a reasonable answer if I say I've got no effing idea? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair. That's how I feel. You know, I'm, I'm watching this Dolphins offense against the Chargers and I'm watching them send Tyreek Mo- uh, Tyree Kill in this this shorter out motion where he still somehow hits top speed after about three steps. And then he's got a two way go on JC Jackson, who has absolutely no chance out in space about 15 yards down the field. And then he yeah. can either just run deep on him and go by him, or he can cut it across the middle of the field and, you know, pick up an easy 35 yards. Like, what do you do with that? <laughs> I, I have no idea. And so I think they'll try to mix it up. 
I think a big part of this game plan will be pressuring Tua Tungavailoa. Lots of questions on that Dolphins offensive line. Now, obviously, they they do a pretty good job of mitigating that by getting the ball out of Tua's hands pretty quickly. Uh, they are the RPO offense in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Mike McDaniel loves that stuff. Tua Tungavailoa is excellent at executing that stuff. And they, of course, have the receivers to get off the line of scrimmage, take a short pass, and take it to the house at the drop of a hat. So how do you handle all of that stuff? If you can somehow muddy to his pocket and he actually looked pretty good off script the other day too, which is like a yeah. little different tool in his bag that maybe he has here in 2023. But if you can do enough to bother him and maybe force him into some bad decisions off schedule, then that's probably your, your best chance in my opinion of, of slowing them down. You have to, you have to tap into this front, that they have that I know they love, you know, the Patriots and and people within the organization that I've spoken to since that game the other day, they love their front. They, they think they're deep. They think they're really talented. They did not get a ton of a ton of love before that Eagles game, because the Eagles front is arguably the best in football. But when you look at the Patriots and what they have, Matthew Judon, Josh Uche, um, Uche had, who's quietly had a really nice game as a pass rusher, just didn't lead to a ton of production. Christian Barmore had a nice game as a pass rusher from the interior. Keon White, who if anybody out there is interested in a deeper dive on Keon White, we're going to have that tomorrow on the next Pats podcast. Got to watch some film with Rob Ninkovich. Love it. um, Don't want to give too much away, but I think people are really going to like that. Uh, (laughs) Like they have enough, they have they have horses to to send at opposing offensive lines and tap into that. I didn't even mention Dietrich Wise, who's been maybe their most one of their yeah. most pass rushers Captain. last few years. You know they they're they've got a lot there, and so I think that's going to be the unit that, um, even though they're not covering Tyree Kill, that might be the unit that slows down the Dolphins. Well, and I, I think you I need think. those guys to play well. I thought Christian Barmore had his best complete game as a Patriot on Sunday, too. And you look at the tape. I mean, I think he's been up and down as a run defender. And as a run defender, that might have been his best game. He put it all together. And you really can't blitz Miami. They attack the middle of the field so well and so quickly that if you bring a blitz and they're going to beat it. And they can take that to the house. So you kind of need whoever your front four are to be winning matchups and putting pressure on quickly themselves. Teron Armstead, too, is back at practice for the first time in a while. And that could be a factor here. Their left tackle, I believe, um, was a a huge part of their offensive line. Uh, One of the things, if I'm Bill Belichick, that I'm doing before this game, you mentioned that motion that they send Tyreek Hill on. I am going to every ref on the field and I'm reminding them of the illegal motion rules and that you cannot be going forward at the snap (laughs) because Hill was very, very close on some of those last week. And I think that's one of those where just, hey, you want to be in their head in case they mess up the timing on any of those that they can't get away with it. It's hard enough to stop as is. You don't want Hill going forward at the snap and adding even more speed on. And then, you know, I think I think you got to play man with some robbers in zone over the middle and pray (laughs) yeah and it's interesting you mentioned that the illegal motion thing you know i think teams especially these shanahan teams are getting as close as possible to that line 
you know, you'll mm-hmm. see not just on that out motion or these jet motions where it feels like these guys are bending, they're starting to bend as like, you know, as the ball's being snapped, maybe even slightly before, but even, you know, Debo Samuel, I saw had an orbit motion this past weekend where he's, he's going around the backfield, around the quarterback, back towards the line of scrimmage. And then they're basically snapping the ball as he gets to the line of scrimmage. It's like, how is that fair? <laughs> this isn't the arena football. <laughs> you have this, you know, you got this 225 pound receiver who's, you know, just this ridiculous athlete with a ton of mass moving forward at the snap of the ball. It's like, it really is. It's Canadian football, as John Jones said today. So um, that, that to me is a, is a huge deal. I, I think that what's interesting, and I give Mike McDaniel credit for this. And I think he's a, I think he's a, an excellent offensive mind. I don't know how he is as a head coach just yet, but I think as an offensive play caller and an offensive mm-hmm. designer, um, he seems to be really, really good because they there were teams that by the end of last season, and this was even before Tua was done for the year, there were teams that had started to get a beat on what Miami was doing, and they were kind of mauling their receivers at the line of scrimmage, and it was disrupting the timing, and on that and in that kind of offense where it's all rhythm and timing based and it's about precision and getting the ball out quickly, it, it messed things up for them. And that happened relatively consistently toward the end of the year. I think what they're doing now with some of these motions is really smart because they're just getting these guys off the line of scrimmage and it's making it really, really hard to get your hands on them. You know, on a play like that out motion, that shorter motion where you're going, you're breaking to the sideline closest to you. I don't know how you get your hands on Tyree kill no. on that kind of play. So it's, it's just really difficult to stop them before they really get going. Yeah. yeah. And you mentioned but, defenses that slowed them down. The chargers were one of them. Somebody had asked in the, the chat, like, are, is the chargers defense good big picture? I don't know, but against Miami, they were one of the teams that was huge in stopping the offense over the middle of the field last year. I'll give a shout out to Ben Solak at the ringer too. He put up a video earlier today, 15 minutes breaking down what this Dolphins offense does. If you're interested in learning, I highly recommend it. Um, but you watch like the motion from Tyreek Hill. He's originally lining up almost at tight end. And I wonder mm-hmm. if when he does that, you just go out there and say, well, you're not going to play tight end. So we're going to we'll line up a deep, an offensive an outside linebacker, Matt Judon, over where you are. So if you're going to be there and you're going to try to run, that has no chance. And we're just going to line up the corner where you're going to motion to anyway. And when you come out here, the guy's going to be there. I wonder if you try something like that and just say we're not buying the fake. I will just I'll tease it a little bit. I'll tease it again uh, at the risk of being an over promoter, over self promoter. But Nate, but we do no watch the play. We do watch that. We watch the one play where they were Tyreek Hill runs out of this motion and he ends up running like a deep over and he catches it. And, uh, you know, it's a huge chunk gain. Uh, and we watched it a few times together and, and he spit out a few ideas that he thought Belichick might have for that kind of play. So, um, yeah, there's there's options, but none of them are great. You know, if you listen right. to, to Rob describe it, you'll you'll hear him say you could do this, but and it's like the the speed that they have forces you to make really hard decisions and sometimes you're you're choosing between the lesser of two evils as a defense and and that's why i say that to me it's it's more about the pass rush because you just don't even want to get to that point <laughs> you know yeah. if you can avoid it and so if if you can if you can stop them before or you can bother them before the ball's even out of two his hands i think you're better off yeah no i agree and that's well that's what makes it so difficult right and and again you talk about them moving towards the towards the line of scrimmage. I think it's really simple. 
right? You look at back to those 2013 to 2015, right? LOB, right? The Legion of Boom. They'd hold on every single play. They'd commit pass interference on every single play because you're just simply not going to call it on every play. You can't. And so I will send Tyreek Hill on a motion and I will tell him to start moving forward. And if you call me on a legal motion, yeah, you call me on a legal motion, but you're not going to do it three plays in a row. There's no way. And so if he does it 10 times in a game and you call it twice, we've won eight times, right? And so we've gotten away with it. It's only a penalty if they don't, if they call it right. So, you know, you just, you're not going to call on every play. And especially now, I feel like if it's a motion and it's in, you know, they, they looked like the actual motion. So he didn't make it look obvious. It's not like he's jumping or starting or, or, you know, a false start. A lot of times you can see because it's a false step, right? That looks like it's part of the motion because it looks like part of the motion. They're less likely to throw a flag on that, even if he's going a little bit early. So that's the thing for me is that, you know, it's smart by them just to say, yeah, go ahead. You want to throw the flag? Go ahead. But you're not going to throw it on every play. And so we're going to get away with it more often than not. And then, and that's going to help us win games. And it would not stun me if Bill Belichick is having that conversation on the field before the game. I mean, you should see it's, it's pretty impressive. Um, the heat that Bill Belichick <laughs> can build up before the ball's even been kicked off. Yeah. When talking to these officials, I've been on the sidelines, you know, we're doing our TV and whether it's, you know, it's actually, so when I, when I, typically notice it and i think it's because um when the games are played at gillette stadium where we are for nbc sports boston we're pretty far removed from the patriots sideline and the end zone in which the patriots are warming up so it's a it's a little different sort of mechanic pregame for me at home but on the road a lot of times we're either right next to the patriots bench or we're right behind the end zone that they're warming up in and Bill Belichick likes to, you know, kind of be in the thick of it at times in those moments before the game. And I, I've seen him, boys, have some really heated conversations with officials before the games even started. And so, you know, that's the kind of thing I could see him working them on right away. And and there are there are it looks like to me I'm not in those conversations, but they look like disagreements, you know, be- before the ball's even been kicked off because I'm sure the officials are ready for those conversations. And they say something along the lines of, well, Bill, you have to understand what, you know, we're either going to call this or we're not going to call this because X, Y, and Z. And then it's on. <laughs> it's like, there's, there's this, yeah. there's this tremendous back and forth. So um, I'll be keeping an eye out for that on Sunday night. It's a great point. That's a good point too. And you're right. Like you have to, you have to alert those guys to that. And you have to think that the NFL had some sort of meeting with the, with the refs as well. Hey, this is going on. Let's figure this out, right? Like, although, let's although, make I don't sure. Know, man. I, don't you want the points? If you're the NFL, you I want guess, those that's points. True. You want, don't want the talk of the league right and now. These guys yeah, like it Well, especially with how the Bills looked on Monday night, the Dolphins are kind of the everybody's favorite right now in the AFC East, and that's, that's what I think makes this game so interesting. I think Miami is top two most interesting offense in the NFL right now, with, with San Francisco being the other one based on what we saw in week one. And, Patriots are always an interesting defense, but going back to, you know, what we talked about earlier, the Eagles having an elite offensive line and the Patriots either held their own and, or, I mean, they dominated at points with their defensive line and, you know, with, with what they can do up front and the piece they have in the secondary, this defense can be 
one of the best, if not the best in football with one of the best defensive minds of all time coaching it. It's it's an elite X's and O's matchup with the Dolphins have the ball. Agreed. And I, and I wonder, you know, I, I, I like some of the players they have to match up with with Miami's receivers. You know, I when they drafted Marcus Jones, the and he was a guy that I really had focused on um, pre-draft that year. And I love the pick the moment that happened. I, we were actually talking about Marcus Jones. We were doing our live draft show. And we were talking about I was bringing up Marcus Jones before they, you know, as they made the pick, uh, which has never happened before and will never happen again. So I, yeah, I, I recognize that that was <laughs> sheer luck. But you know, one of the things that goes through your mind is, well, they play in the division. They got to see Jalen Waddle twice. Yep. And they, they've got to see Tyreek Hill twice and they have John Jones. So that's great. They've got one guy who matches up pretty well with one of their fast guys. You need another one. And so I, I wonder how much he'll play. Cause he actually played more defensively than I thought uh, on Sunday against the Eagles. And, and, you know, Christian Gonzalez has plenty of speed too. And, and he is, boy, he's so smooth and he transitions so well for somebody his size. So that feels like an acceptable matchup to me as well, even though you might say, well, he's a little taller, angular guy. I don't know. You want to run with those. I'd be okay with that. So yeah. you, you've got bodies there to, to throw at these guys. And I wonder, you know, I think you do have to mix it up. You have to go some man, some zone, but how much zone do they play? Understanding that we only got to rush four, you know, let's, let's get some bodies into coverage here so that we have people over the middle of the field so that we have people deep to take away some of these explosive plays because we're going to be able to get home with our four guys. We feel that good about them. Yeah. Right. Two has been known to stay on one read too long at points too. And that's one of those where, you know, we, we might throw four guys at Tyree Hill so that as he runs the deep over and crosses the field at every single point along that he's covered. And if two was looking at it long enough, by the time he comes off and see the guy we left wide open, he's hitting the ground because we're getting there. Right. Well, the other, and look, I love miles. I don't love miles. Bryant. I respect, <laughs> I respect miles. Bryant. By the way, Phil, don't steal my guy, Marcus Jones. Okay. Mike Marcus Jones, I claimed nope. in January in, in January no. before the draft. No okay. way. And we I I, I do know He's you're been high thrown in Marcus around Jones this Twitter him. thread about that for ever since <laughs> that's Listen, pretty good. If I will never January, stop taking victory. If it was though. January, you were you were you were hot on him before I was my upset. my initial mock draft had the Patriots taking Mark. My initial mock draft, which came out the Sunday before the Sunday, I don't know. The week before the Super Bowl that year, had them had the Patriots taking Marcus Jones at eighty five, which is where they took him. Which I will never stop victory lapping that ever. Um, so you know, and as you said, will never happen again. But you know, but you know, I mean, what take it what you can get, right? Yeah, so, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with um, you. So, but Miles Bryan should never play. He should not be on the field for one snap against this team. He's not fast enough. I like Miles Bryan. But against this team, just in particular, this one team in particular, you can't have a guy that can't keep up with these guys. And he can't. He just can't. We've seen it before. It doesn't work. Now, if they bring out full wide receivers and you want to say you're on Craycroft, whoever the hell that guy is, fine. Okay? You're covering him one-on-one, -on -one and that's all you can do. We I, we cannot get in a situation where he is trying to keep up with Jalen Waddle or Tyreek Hill. We cannot do it. It's interesting. Uh, It'll he, be interesting to see Matt how they how they play the slot and how they play their deep safeties. I mean, this is your first time seeing Tyree kill without Devin McCourty. That man's fast. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like like he covers up. A is lot it of Kyle things. Duggar? Is is Kyle Duggar your your free yeah. safety answer now? Is it Jabril Peppers? Those guys, while great athletes, they they're not 
Dev McCourty, you know, circa 2018, you know, so I, I wonder how they handle that part of it because there's going to be help involved. Is the help fast enough? It, that I think is yeah. an interesting question. Well, that's too an area where like if they, they might go to some, you know, exotic coverages here where you're passing things off a little bit more. That's one of the best, best ways to beat the speed part of it is to just have somebody waiting for the guy. Um, you know, the speed doesn't matter if you're running right into an area that's covered by a defender. Uh, and that's an area where Miles Bryant can be an asset. You don't want Bryant covering Tyreek Hill directly, but he is nice to have hanging underneath where Tyreek Hill is going to be later on in the route. That's where he can help you a ton. Um, and like Jabril Peppers is one of those guys and Duggar is one of those guys. We're like, all right, well, maybe we'll have Christian Gonzalez cover Hill. And if he cuts inside, we're going to have Peppers come up and cover that. And we're going to pass it off. And obviously it gets difficult because you get throwing lanes in there. But also Duggar and Peppers will hit very, very hard anything that they can get their hands on. Um, yep. And, you know, you can go old school 2001 pats on them and just hit anything that moves. Tyreek Hill's going to cross the middle. Yeah, you might catch it. You're going to take a punishment coming with it because... Uh, you go back to the Chargers game last week, it was linebackers in the middle of the field to trying to cover those guys. I can't imagine the Patriots are going to do that. I think they're going to play a ton of safeties to clog the middle of the field and say, yeah, if you catch it, you catch it. You're going to get lit up and not going to feel great after in the process. And, and that's why, you know, that's why you have all these safeties, right? Is, is you want to be able to, in theory, stop the run, but also have enough speed on the field to be able to run with some of these great athletes that you're seeing on the other yeah. side. And, you know, the Dolphins are dealing with some injuries, too. You know, they, I saw that um, Raheem Mostert went down for them. Um, no surprise to him. You know, they already were were without uh, their other running back, who was the guy from uh, uh, Jeff Wilson from uh, San Francisco. Right. Uh, a few years ago. He's he's down on IR, I believe, as well. So I wonder how that impacts them and um, if the Patriots feel like they really can flood the field with – you know, they, they played more dime than anybody else in football last year. Do you see a ton of six DBs against this team that, you know, it's a team that likes to use the fullback. Alec Ingold is, you know, like a key player for them offensively. But if if they don't love their running backs and their offensive line doesn't, you know, look good enough to be able to do anything on the ground, maybe they, they sort of abandon it in a way the Patriots kind of abandon their run game on Sunday. Yeah, no, it's a good point. And I think A-Chain, their rookie from Texas A&M, I think he's hurt too, is he not? So he, he was hurt in camp. I don't know if he's still dealing with that was, or what. I believe he was a healthy scratch on Sunday. Oh, okay. I remember so maybe I knew he didn't I, play. I, I had, couldn't remember if he I know, was healthy or not. I saw McDaniel gave an answer about that. I just hadn't hadn't actually listened to what it was yet. But that's another thing. If they didn't think he was ready to go, he might now have to go. And you know, I'd rather have the ball in his hands than Tyree Kills. Uh, yeah. 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 But boy, that's a he's lot of speed. <laughs> That's he can a lot fly. of speed. That guy's that guy's yeah. like a world class sprinter and uh, yeah. playing running back. And, and so he might not be that good if he's a healthy scratch. Maybe well, right. he's just not great at football. But uh, yikes, that's you know. I mean, I was good at the same time. I was going to say so. So it wasn't Jeff Demps. So I mean, like, it doesn't exactly. necessarily yeah. translate into so being it was Pierre Strong. Player, yeah, yeah, true. So, all right, uh, we got our final two segments before we get there. Phil, give us a prediction for the game. What do you think is we've talked about what could happen and what might happen. What do you think is going to happen on Sunday night? By the way, now keep in mind now, you I think I think you gotta add at least a few points for the Patriots for wearing those red jerseys. I mean, you've gotta like they're gonna look so good. 
And then the counter to that, you got to take away some points for Miami because yeah, for they could have worn the throwbacks and made this a nice a throwback waste. game, and they didn't. What a waste. Just, yeah, that's annoying that they would do and that because they're, they're wearing them at home. Throwbacks too. They're wearing yeah. them for week six or week eight or whenever it is. I get that. Patriots you want to wear them for your fans, and you know you're only going to wear them so many times during the year. But they're come only on. they're only yeah. wearing them twice this season. I'm pretty sure, and you're allowed to wear them three times. So right. Like, oh, the Patriots. Well, see, the Patriots only have. That's true for the Patriots, though, too. They're only announced two dates. So, you know, maybe they can break them out down in Miami. They've done it before. I don't like cool. it. I don't like it. It made actually practice really interesting today when we went into practice. Uh, they they moved practice indoors because of the rain. And uh, we were allowed into the building. And I see like seven red jerseys on the sideline in front of me. And I'm like, what the hell happened to these guys? How many injuries are they dealing with here? And then I see, oh no, it's actually the entire offense is wearing red. Okay, okay. Um, so prediction wise, boy, it's so early in the week, Pat. You're killing me. Uh, I know. Well, because you know the offensive line thing just matters so much. If David Andrews hurt his hamstring in practice today, and it does sort of feel like one of those, I don't know if he was dealing with it at all um, beforehand, but he spoke with us. Um, at the podium before practice, he, he seemed fine. I thought he played really well, actually, the other day with, with two rookies on either side of him. If, like, say he's not at practice tomorrow, like, I, I hate their chances. <laughs> you know, I just I, – he's so important to what they're doing up front, and I feel okay. I feel a little bit better about it, even if you're dealing with a bunch of backups, as long as he's there. Right. And if he's not, that's a, that's a massive blow. Um Here's what I'll say. I think this is going to be lower scoring than you think. The Patriots, and I get it, it was week one, new offensive coordinator, play caller, et cetera, with Mike McDaniel, first game as a head coach. But last year, week one, the Patriots defense held the Dolphins offense to 13 points. Mm -hmm. They ended up scoring 20, but seven were off a strip sack, uh, off of Trent Brown's side there that was just with, you know, one of many atrocious plays along the offensive line in that game. So it's not going to be that low scoring, but I'm going to have it in the, I'm going to have it in the low twenties. It's going to be very close and I'm going to have the Patriots winning. Nice. They're going to get a, uh, they're going to get a defensive touchdown. The Patriots are going to win. That's my prediction right now. Love it. Like Love it. I mean, it's a big week because if the Patriots win, assuming Assuming that the that the Bills don't can don't play as horribly as they did on Monday night and they win, and that the Jets lose to the Cowboys, who looked incredible on Sunday night, the entire division will be one and one, and you'll be going into New York playing against Zach Wilson and the New York Jets with a chance to go two and one and perhaps even take the lead in the division. So, uh, mm. you know, it's pretty crazy. The Patriots go two and one here and they will have a share minimum of the division lead. Right. That's that's yeah. where they're going to be, and you know, because it's, it's is it Buffalo, Miami, the week three, is it not? Um, I don't know. That doesn't well, maybe even, it isn't. It doesn't oh, even I guess matter doesn't if matter, they play one another because the two teams that are one and zero are the two teams the Patriots play. You get to handle that's both true. losses. Good point. Um, so and it's you know Zach Wilson playing for the Jets and your home game against Miami. These are two that you you think you should win. Um. So you, you pick those up and, you know, you're in a really, really good spot. And then you go to Dallas kind of playing with house money. Dallas looks like a really good team this year and doesn't hurt so much if you lose that one. And then you're coming out of the first month, you know, two with two division wins and feeling good about where you stand in the AFC.
Right. Well, and more importantly to me, when you're worried about the playoffs, you have two losses, but they're both non-conference losses. So at the end of the season, when when we're stacking things up and we're talking about tiebreakers, you got non-conference losses. It's not, it's not as bad as in-conference losses. So, you know, obviously it's important. You want to win every game, but non-conference losses, non-conference losses. When well, Philly and Dallas keep playing like this, a bunch of other AFC East teams are also going to have some losses to them. Right. Mm-hmm. True. Good yeah. point. No doubt. So, all right, let's let's do our final two segments, Matt. I think we'll do trivia first, and then we'll do last this week in sports history. So, uh, trivia question for yeah. you, Phil. You may know the answer to this one, but let's hold yeah. off on the chat first. Let's see if the chat can yeah. get it. So if you have we'll it, if you, you think you have it, why don't you, you tell us that you have it, and then we'll wait for someone to get it in the chat, and then you can give it. Okay. Yeah. So the the rules for this are that. You know, every week we do a question, and if you answer it correctly, you're the first person in the chat to get it right is going to get an entry to win something out of a, a drawing that we're going to do. So you get this nice. right, you're going to be able to but <laughs> this like, give them a chance to answer. Is this like Jeopardy? Like, can I write my answer down on my hand and then like show you guys? <laughs> sure. After? You, sure. Yeah. You want to? I don't have the ability to do that, but I will. I will. Theoretically, be no, no. You can. You can answer. You get one answer. You can give on the show. We'll, we'll tell you if it's right or wrong. Okay, but I. Okay. I will not yeah. give it until we uh, select a, a viewer, though. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to wait. Well, for I'm gonna, we, I, we, I don't understand don't, all the mechanics of it, but I'm going to wait for you to tell me when to give my answer. Yeah, we'll, okay. give, we'll give it a little bit of time to think yeah. about it. That way we'll do, we'll do this week in sports history, and then if you have your answer, you can give your answer after that. Okay. How's that sound? So, yeah. So last week, and if you want, this is last week's question. You can give a little guess here if you'd like to. But uh, it was four Patriots have forced five fumbles in a season. Can you name one of them? Do you, do you have any, current any idea? Patriots? No, it's team history. Team history have forced how many fumbles? Five. They're all tied for the franchise. In, in one season. Yeah. That's a lot of forced fumbles. Five forced fumbles. Um, My first guess would be Rodney Harrison. A great guess. But not correct. Uh, I'll give you one of these guys. You know, you oh, you talked to very recently. It's, it's a good thing. Let me tell you something. It's a good thing that you already had your conversation before this aired. <laughs> yeah, Ninkovich is on. Ninkovich is on the list. Oh, yeah, I should have got Ninkovich that one. had five. Yeah, Ninkovich had five in 2012. Brandon Spikes had five oh, in 2012. I was gonna say Spikes. I said, oh, yeah, God, same season. Two deep. guys forcing five fumbles is crazy. Uh, Jamie Collins did it in 2015, okay. and um, it was snap time. Got this right. Mike Vrabel in 07. Did it. He got it. Yeah, he got that answer. Yeah. So I this week's question. Rodney was always sort of around the ball, big yeah. hitter. He they blitzed him too. Maybe got a quarterback, but. Yeah, no, right. it's you know I'll survive. That was last week's question. I'm ready for this week. So that's a good question. I like that yeah. one. We got a we got a Miami themed one. Dolphins coming into town. The question: So Troy Brown caught the game winning touchdown in the overtime thriller in Miami in 2003. But can you tell me who scored the game tying touchdown for the Patriots to send that one to overtime? Now, did it happen in the third quarter? So it wasn't like a last second thing, but. uh some, somebody scored a touchdown to tie that game up in a, a very low-scoring game. It was the, the only other touchdown the Patriots scored in that one. That's a good and question. I remember the end of that game like it happened yesterday. I remember that Troy right. Brown play like it happened yesterday. <laughs> I do not remember the game <laughs> tying score. <laughs> that's that's why I'm uh, – that's why that, okay. everybody remembers that touchdown. But I know yeah. somebody out there has to remember what uh, – Yeah, Matt what, said to me before – this is a little bit of an easier question. I think you'll know. Uh, that's that's not an easier question, I don't think. But someone <laughs> you know out there might know it. Maybe. I 
think I know it, but I'm not confident in my guess. So, mm. um, so it's we'll got to be somebody weird too, because it, I feel like this wouldn't make the trivia question if it was, you know, a you, guy who scored maybe, a lot of touchdowns that year. Or maybe you're maybe you're overthinking it. I don't know. Who <laughs> overthinking think, it. think about who's on that 03 team. Wow. <laughs> Some good players. Yeah, you're good. Oh, if you goodness. want, if you want to give a guess, you can go for it. No, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait. You tell me. Okay. You tell me when to pull the trigger. I, I, I'm telling you, you're good to give a guess. Oh, you're, okay. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna say. Uh, Kevin Falk. Incorrect incorrect unfortunately man that's a great guess i was i was thinking maybe fuck that wasn't gonna be my final answer but i was thinking maybe fuck mm. um, that was that was that was me trying to be the bigger person tom Kern and i always debate who is who's the better running back and more important running back in patriots history kevin fuck or james white and i always 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 say james white although i think kevin fox a great player and he's a yeah. deserving uh patriots hall of famer and all that and uh, there was that was current in my ears, telling me to pick Kevin Falk. So I'm now, him. now Falk, Falk was the answer to a trivia question a couple of weeks ago, and that was. question was who's the Patriots' leader in all time in all purpose yards, which is punt return, yards, kick return, yeah. uh, receiving, and rushing. Yeah. So there you go. All right. Good question. I can't wait to find yeah. out the answer. Yeah, we'll do one. the we'll we'll do the answer on uh, on next week's or what Sunday's yeah. show after the game. Sunday show after the game. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, make sure yeah. to tune in. That's that's our hook. That's how we get people to come back. <laughs> Love it. Love it. So, all right. Final segment. Here we go. And now for something we think you'll really like. This week in sports history. All right. So, I actually have two for this week in sports history, but they are related. Okay. And so, they actually come from this day, which is September 13th. So, September 13th, 1909. Ty Cobb clinches the AL home run title with his ninth home run of the season. None of those home runs left the ballpark, by the way. All inside the park home runs for Ty Cobb. Nine inside the park home runs in 1909. Now, did they have fences back then? They did, I believe. I I assume. Uh, Now, 18 years later, 1927... The Yankees clinched the pennant after a 5-3 win over the Cleveland Indians at Yankee Stadium, and Babe Ruth hit his 52nd home run of the season on his way to hitting 60 for the year. So 18 years earlier, (laughs) the leader in the AL had nine home runs, and then Babe Ruth hit 60 18 years later. Uh, Just absolutely outrageous. Juicing. Get that. Let me drug test that guy. Yeah, well, the problem is you don't drug test him for steroids, drug test him for everything else because that man, I don't think he ever played a game sober in his life. <laughs> he must have he had he had launch angle figured out before anyone else. Yeah, he really did, didn't he? It's crazy. That's a that's a that's a wild stat. And that I was not thinking you were gonna go with the Yankees. That felt off the board. It did. Can I give mine? Yeah. I have yes, I have a you have one. one. Let's go. I got a Patriots related one. Uh this week in history, 13 years ago. Yesterday, so September 12th, 2010, it's late, math is hard, 2010, (laughs) September 12th, Rob Gronkowski has one catch for one yard and one touchdown 
in his NFL debut against the Cincinnati Bungles. So one catch, one yard, one touchdown for the legend, and he was off, off and running at that point. That was a great game. That was I was at the game. I, I, we talked about it off air, and I think uh, what's his face? Brandon Tate had a kickoff return in that game. The thing I just remembered: Gary Guyton had a oh pick six in that game. If I'm remembering wow. that correctly, that's outrageous. Yeah, that's it. Was either that or the Ravens game the year before that he had the pick six? But I'm pretty sure it was the Bengals one. The yeah. Gary Guyton, Gerard Mayo linebacking core that was yeah. that saw a lot of snaps together. Those guys, they did. Yeah. Really that 2010 game is also one of the last times the Patriots wore white at home. I believe the only time they did it after that was against Dallas the following year because they, you know, like to make Dallas wear the blue jerseys that they don't like to wear. Yeah. That's yeah. great. And then I have great have a jersey nugget. Good this jersey is, you nuggets know, from Matt tonight. One of my special interests here, Phil. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. That's a great special interest to have. Who doesn't love a good jersey? It's fun. Oh, it's, it's a fun. good dark, dark blue gold one. September 13th, 1992. Jim Kelly and Steve Young throw for more than 400 yards, and neither team punts. It's the first time in NFL history, and the Bills beat the 49ers 34-31. My goodness, that's one. I got, I got Zero one that's points. like, yeah, I got just a, a smaller one here. But on this day, September 13th, in 1997, the Carolina Hurricanes played their first uh, first exhibition game. How about that? Look at that. Damn. Look at that. Yeah. Go all over the board in this week in sports history. Yeah, sometimes like we get it. Yankees, good, sometimes good we mix. get Carolina Hurricanes, uh, all yeah. sorts of stuff. So while, while we're talking hockey, Sunday, the I don't know if you guys have seen the stuff with the Bruins. They're they have a whole identity they're doing this year. They're gonna have like uniforms that are one off for this year for the anniversary yeah. of the franchise and stuff. And apparently they're unveiling all of that on on Sunday. So if you're looking for something to do before the game, keep an eye out for that. Interesting. There you go. Uh, yeah. How about that? For all the Jersey enthusiasts out there. <laughs> yes. For all, the little, for all the little Matts that are running around listening. It's the little things. It's the little. Right oh, Matt. How do you pronounce your last name? St. Jean. St. Jean. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so I shouldn't go St. Jean? <laughs> you know what? I don't. I really don't care what you call me. <laughs> Mathieu. Saint Jean, yeah, it works. It works hey, for me. I mean, if he's a hockey guy, hey, it makes hockey. sense. You we're know? talking hockey. Let's you know, let's uh, let's mix uh, a little French I, in. There I will say that when Patrice you play, Bergeron. when you play like the NHL video games, you get to pick like your pronunciation in the game, and obviously, like Saint Jean is not one that's in there, but they have I think like Saint Jacques or something like that, which is as bad as close as you can well, get. Yeah. That's where I always end up landing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's good. That's good. All right. Before Phil, we're gonna we're gonna have you plug everything. I mean, Jesus Christ, everyone better be following Phil and everything. If you're listening to us and you're not listening to Phil, I don't know what you're doing. Um, yeah, but mistake. Right? But nevertheless, uh, before you do though, Phil, I have to give myself a shout out and a plug. Uh, <laughs> as 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 egotistical as that sounds, I played in a golf tournament today, and for the first time ever, I won a closest to the T competition. On a par three. I how far away from the hole were you? Four feet eleven inches. Wow. Under five feet away on a par three. And and my team said go up and knock it in for birdie. And I knocked it in for birdie as well. I don't know how it happened, but it did. Wow. And I won a fifty dollar yeah. card by myself. Nice polo from the throw out. Yeah. Throw out the golf clubs now because you're never like that. No, I peaked. You're not I peaked. <laughs> 
that's amazing. Good for you on that front. You did. You introduced it by saying you got the closest to the T, and I said, "Well, how?" I said to myself, well, "How hard is that, Pat?" You just stepped up and you just got on the T box, and you said, "Made it." Did I say close to the T? I meant to say you close did. to the pin. That's yeah. that's on me. No, that's, Sorry. that's that's awesome. That and that's got to feel so good, especially when you hit it and you're just watching it. Oh sale, yeah, and it's you know you got that beautiful par three feel, and you're just like, "I got a chance at this." Right. Right. Good. Yeah. It was Good wild. It was pretty wild. Um, I don't, I don't have that much to plug except for, I'm going to give the Rob Ninkovich podcast uh, on next paths this week, a third plug here. Yes. So keep an eye out for that tomorrow. I'm excited. For that. Uh, we've got shows every single night on NBC sports, Boston at six o'clock. Uh, the breakdown that I do with Ted Johnson every Monday, right after Sunday's game, uh, Hopefully you're watching that. Ted is phenomenal. Teaches me so much every single week. Brings a ton of energy. Quick slants on Tuesdays. I'll be on that a bunch this year. Um, nice. Early edition at 6.30 and then BST at, at 10. And then read all our stuff on NBCSportsBoston.com. Yeah. Please, I, please, please, I tell please, you, please, please. If you're, I didn't mean if to you're, yell at the people. No. If you're into the draft, you have to be listening to the Next Pats pod. You have to. Yeah. You do. You do content all year long on the draft you have guys on i mean the thing is we do content here which is great and we and i love what we do and we do uh, but you bring in eric galco and you bring in the uh who's the guy that runs the uh senior bowl um jim naggy jim naggy yeah. jesus yeah. christ but you bring in all really of those guys much. and and that's the stuff that's the extra stuff and you spend the time to go over and you take it seriously and that's like you do a, such a phenomenal job on that all off season and so um that. And Thank so, you, you know, if, if you're not already subscribed there, you should be. But if you're not already subscribed, go over and subscribe to Next Pats on YouTube as well as uh, as the podcast. So thank you. I really right. appreciate that, bud. Yeah, of course. So um, also one last thing for me. Here it is. This is the comment right there. That is, <laughs> there it is right there. This fat guy has no clue. That's That pretty much sums up. <laughs> Throw that in your uh, Twitter header. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Well, this has been a great show. Phil, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. And uh, we'll be back. I don't know if I'll be there, but Matt, Certainly, we'll be back with an instant. We'll see the timing Sunday night. It's going to be a late night, right there. Yeah, I would think. I think the best thing to do would be just go right when the game ends, instead of waiting for me to get home from Gillette. So probably be just me. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, but uh, but we'll have one for you no matter what on Sunday night, and uh, we appreciate you guys. We love you. Thank you for being so uh, so crazy in the chat. People were blowing the chat up. It was great. So uh, thank you very much, and uh, and we'll talk to you on Sunday.